The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, here's your host, Josh Getzoff. Hey, Pens fans, what's going on? Hope everyone out there is staying safe, staying healthy. I am Josh Getzoff. We want to welcome you aboard for the latest edition of the Scoop Podcast, presented by PPG. Taking a trip down memory lane while also sharing some stories of both present and some inspirational notes uh, as we bring on our guest here today, Hunter Ryan Singh. You might recognize the name. You probably remember the name. You definitely know the goal call. Of course, this the man behind Hockey Night in Punjabi, the Benino, Benino, Benino line that we've heard so famously throughout Pittsburgh and, of course, was such a big part of the soundtrack of that 2016 Stanley Cup championship run by the Penguins. He also has a new book coming out. I have a copy. One game at a time. Not ironically enough, as we get into in the conversation with Harner Ryan, published by Penguin Random House. Some things are just meant to be as far as connections are concerned. So this is out right now. Be sure to pick up your copy if you haven't already. We're going to talk about this book in the interview. We also uh, feature a fact that chapter 11, uh, 10 of this book, all about the Penguins. It's called They're Here. So if you have a Pittsburgh slant, to wanting to buy this, that's it right there. An entire chapter devoted to that 2016 run. Of course, a story also of Harner Ryan's journey to where he is right now, which uh, let me tell you is an inspirational one. You're going to hear about it in just a moment here on the podcast. So we appreciate Harner Ryan making some time for us. Always good to visit with an old friend. Always good to talk about some great memories. And certainly he was a big part of those memories in 2016. So without further ado, Let's take it away to our interview with Harder Ryan Singh of Hockey Night in Canada for this episode of the Scoop Podcast presented by PPG. Well, this is definitely a conversation we have been looking forward to, uh, a face, a name, a voice that I think brings back a lot of great memories in Penguins history. Harder Ryan Singh, kind enough to join us here on the Scoop Podcast. Uh, Harder Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure, Josh. Great to have you on. One thing we do on this podcast that's a little different from others is I like to start, I don't want to call it an icebreaker, but I kind of like to start with something that's a little different from the line of questioning you're going to get the rest of the way. Uh, so what we focus on is the question of the podcast, the question of the day. And it goes all across the board. And for you, that question is, if you could time travel, where would you go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay. That's a that's a great question. And to be honest with you, that Stanley Cup parade in 2016, 400,000 fans downtown Pittsburgh, that intersection, the way it was set up, uh, that whole entire day was just incredible. And I think if you're a hockey fan, if you're a broadcaster, you cannot ask for more. Uh, I mean, to be as close as we were to the team's cup run, we're not the home team broadcast either, right? Like this right. is where we're broadcast from Canada to a niche market. And the, you know, the, the welcome we got from the team and the fans and then the Stanley Cup is introduced, the players are introduced and we're right there front and center. That moment was pretty epic. What a what a hot day that was too. It was oh it was sweltering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a special day, a hot day, and a, a really important day, obviously in Penguins history. And you mentioned you were a part of that run. We went a little back in time there with your choice. It's interesting that you said that because I kind of wanted to go back to 2016 to begin our conversation. And I'm not going to bring you onto a Penguins podcast without hearing a reprise of the call from the man himself. <laughs> I'm sure you've done a couple of these already. I hope the vocal cords are all lubricated and ready to go. 
So why don't we hear it? I see this the shirt behind you. Let's hear That's it right. started here on the, the Scoop podcast. The, it was the uh, the best-selling shirt of that season. Benino, 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 Nick, Benino! There it is. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Carter Wright, I have to ask you, could you ever have imagined that that moment and when you started to write, I know we'll get into it in the book, but when you started to write that line combination down for the Penguins' third line and wrote Benino three times, would have led to so much more than just, you know, you saying his last name a handful of times and everything that's kind of expanded upon that. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody could have ever imagined that. And, it, you know, what I like to say, Josh, is that it's a, a mistake that became a blessing in disguise. And I get into it in the book. Actually, a lot of Penguins fans will know this, uh, but a lot of people in the, gen in the general hockey world won't, that there were multiple Bonino calls. And it was uh, the Washington series where it first happened. And that's where the initial mistake that you're referring to in my pregame notes <laughs> happened. And uh, Bonino scored so many incredible goals that uh, playoff run. He was on the HBK line with uh, Carl Hagelin um, and, uh, and Phil Kessel. And, you know, uh, it's cool because one of the pictures I have in my office here is with Benino and he's wearing the WWE belt uh, that uh, Shawn Michaels uh, sent for, for that occasion when they won the cup. But um, yeah, you know, th that, uh, that whole entire experience, who would have thought? And, you know, I went home that first night or went back to my hotel and uh, and it was just going crazy on social media. And then the Penguins fans were just demanding more of a Benino. You know, they're like, you got to do it again. You got to do it again. And then eventually Stanley Cup final game one, you know, and it's, it's just, it runs through my head so much because I've heard the call. I know I've been in touch with Nick so much. We've become friends and he's heard the call so much uh, from, from not only teammates, but opposing players to friends <laughs> and family who have it at the, as their ringtone. But uh, yeah, just almost like two minutes, 30 seconds left to go. And, and Benino scores that epic goal in game one. And it was just, it was there for me on a platter, you know, like it was, it was just almost like destiny. And, and from there, um, it was just unbelievable. As we realized that the Penguins were about to win the Cup, I was in touch with some of your colleagues uh, with the Penguins and who were saying, hey, like, if they win, do you want to come out to the parade? And and they were saying, like, you know, you have no idea how big it is out here. And literally, we we didn't. We're like, it was a cult following uh, oh, yeah. that we had. And um, it, it was we were treated like rock stars, movie stars, uh, and the team rolled out the red carpet. We'll get into all that. It's it's so fun to to reminisce about that time. It is unbelievable. Like the whole story is crazy, and just it goes to show. I mean, there was just a little bit that you find these stories throughout a Stanley Cup playoff run. I'm sure the Lightning had their own fair this year, uh, fair share with everything going on around them. But from 2016, you mentioned HBK yourself and your broadcast team. There were so many different intangibles, and <laughs> you just talked about the parade. I actually have a funny story from that. You're probably not going to remember this because I can't imagine how many people stopped you that day the bus but, though right the bus yeah <laughs> the bus see you know I, I i remember very clearly getting on that bus i was with mike lang our uh, yeah broadcast of course right and he's someone who i was like so excited to meet but next time i see you i'll be just as excited to meet you too i promise <laughs> <laughs> excellent i'll take that that, that means a lot coming from you uh, but yeah, I remember you coming on the bus and, and I kind of felt stupid coming up to you with my cell phone and asking for you to do it. But you were an unbelievable sport, gave me the Benino. I put it on Twitter. People were like, oh, my, my friends from home were texting me. Yeah. You met Harder Ryan Singh. <laughs> you were a big deal. I mean, re people here really had a cult following for you and, you know, the entire broadcast team that was a part of that. 
Okay, so Josh, we were coming in from Canada, obviously. So my colleagues were coming from a Vancouver connecting flight through Chicago. I was coming through Calgary. Uh, when we when we all met together in Chicago, within the airport there from that flight from Chicago to Pittsburgh, there were already people like, oh, are you guys hockey night Punjab? Are you the Benino guys? And so on the flight, we just had several people coming up to us too. And then when we got to the Pittsburgh airport, we're walking through the airport and we already had tweets. And I mentioned this in like, there's so much detail in the book about this whole, like it's, uh, you know, your guys' VP, Tom McMillan, uh, oh, he yeah. also read the book and he said the, the chapter is called They're Here. And the reason why it's called They're Here is when we, when we were at the Pittsburgh airport, uh, someone takes a picture of the back of us as we're walking ahead and they put it on Twitter and it just says They're Here. As in like the Benino guys, the Hockey Night Punjabi guys are here because it's not like people knew that we were coming and going to be at that parade. Right. But right. it was just, and that's when we started realizing like, Holy smokes, like this is big. Then, then we get out of the airport, we're making our way to our hotel and we're like, you know, walking around and all of a sudden, like we're on the side in downtown Pittsburgh and then kind of near the arena there. And uh, on that road, right in front of the arena, there's cars that are like, you hear tires screeching. And then people are jumping out of their cars and they're like, can we get a picture with you? Can we get a picture? And we're just like, wow, right? It was it was unbelievable. So we were just getting a little bit of taste of that. And then the next morning, um, it was uh, Bill Wareham and Tom McMillan who met us by the Mario Lemieux statue. And uh, they were, it, that's when the red carpet was rolled out for us. They were They were so gracious. They were so excited to have us there. First thing we did was get a, get a, uh, a tour of uh, the, at the time, the Consol Energy Center, right? And the name changed afterwards. But um, so we got a tour and it was just amazing to see all the tributes to the, to the Lemieux Jagger era. And then, oh, yeah. you know, you have the Crosby First Cup from, from uh, you know, almost what now, 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, right? And so, uh, but at that time it, it had been, uh, you know, so this is 2016, but the tour was amazing, such a beautiful arena. And then they tell us that, okay, you guys are going to surprise the players, right? And we're like, what? Like, because we didn't, we didn't know what they had planned, but they're like, the players are getting ready for their team picture, year-end team picture with the cup. And uh, they're in the dressing room and you're just going to surprise them. And I was like, do you mean, by, do you mean like surprise them by doing the call? And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I was so unprepared. I had a Starbucks chai latte in my hand. I had like this backpack over, <laughs> like I was one of those guys that was like carrying sanitizer before COVID, right? So like yeah. I had all my stuff ready to go. And um, so then we just walk in, we do the Benino call and then the players just, they're loving it. They're all clapping, cheering and Marc-Andre Fleury, beloved Marc-Andre Fleury oh, comes yeah. up and then Nick Benino himself, Sidney Crosby and everybody's just cheering us on and you know, Mike Sullivan, this is one of the one of the most coolest parts is he comes up to me and his I love his vocal cords, the big oh, booming yeah. voice. Booming and, voice yeah. yeah, right. And he's shaking <laughs> my hand aggressively and he's like, he's like, Thank you so much. And I'm like, Thank, thank me. What are you talking about? Like, thank you. And then he goes, he goes, You guys were a part of our cup run. We we had we used the video of your goal calls to amp up our players in the video sessions, right? And I'm just like in disbelief. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, my jaw drops. Like, we were a part of their cup run throughout the playoffs. And, and you know, Josh, we were talking about it just before we got on. Uh, there were other calls that year too that like the Benino one takes the cake, but there were some other calls and some other great memories from that uh, run too that actually there were t-shirts made of another call as well. 
Yes, there were. There were a handful of them. I, I know that you talked about a few of them in that chapter, chapter 10. I have the book. I got it. Nice. One game at a time. Penguin Random House is the publisher. Of course, Hunter. Of course. Penguin Random House, right? You yeah, see, it, it's I, all destiny, man. It's all. <laughs> I thought that too. I saw Penguin. I'm like, how many connections could you have? <laughs> and I, I thought this was cool. The forward by Ron McLean. I know you have Hockey Night in Canada connections, obviously, with Hockey Night in Punjabi. But this, this book is available now. Uh, anyone out there who listens to this podcast, watches this podcast, you can pick it up. I'm excited to dive into it. I know you said Chapter 10 is all about Pittsburgh. Uh, they're here. One thing that I did see when I kind of skimmed through it a little bit before we chatted, I just got it, so forgive me. I haven't had a no chance to No worries at all. But I have a feeling based on the little bit that I've skimmed through, I'll go cover to cover pretty quickly here over the next handful of days. Uh, that year in 2016, so much of your coverage based in Canada and Hockey Night in Canada usually follows the Canadian teams. None of them made the playoffs. Yeah. So it was almost in a weird way. We talk about this relationship that you've built with Pittsburgh. And there, it almost was like the stars aligned that year that, yeah. yeah, you're covering the Penguins because of Sidney Crosby and his obvious connection to Canada and the Penguins' popularity. But there were, there were more pieces to it. Of course. And you know what? To be honest with you, like in the industry in Canada, us as broadcasters, the channels, everybody was worried about what was going to happen. It's so rare to not have any Canadian teams in the playoffs. And so uh, for us, again, a blessing in disguise from round two onwards, we started following the Penguins. And uh, and so, you know, even when they were facing uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Washington Capitals, uh, both great series as well. And then against the Sharks, uh, you know, uh, I was mentioning earlier another goal call. There's a picture here behind me where I'm talking to Sidney Crosby and uh, we're on the ice when they're going to take the picture. And I, I start saying to him that, hey, before the Benino call, there was another one, Sid, the former kid. And he finished the sentence for me. He knew about the call. And it was it was his first ever playoff overtime winner. And I right. said, Sid, the former kid, Crosby. And there uh, a couple of Pittsburgh uh, uh, fans uh, out there who had T-shirt companies made that as a T-shirt too. But um, yeah, what you're saying about the book in terms of just how how it is and uh, with Ron McLean and just with how the stars align, there's there's so much. This book is obviously tons of great hockey stories, um, a lot of Pittsburgh connections, because you'll find out, Josh, when you read this, that I was a huge Gretzky fan growing up. There's okay. a chapter named uh, Wayne's World, too, and it just talks about my sheer obsession with him and how <laughs> I organized my hockey cards uh, is something Penguins fans are not going to want to hear because it was all of the teams Gretzky played for, and then Lemieux and Jagger and those guys were the right, like they were the new kids on sure. the block, right? And the Oilers had just finished their dynasty, and it was like, so if you're in, you're in Alberta and you're a hockey fan, uh, and so that was like, oh my goodness, who are these guys here to steal the limelight? <laughs> so you know, the Penguins weren't uh, weren't my favorite team growing up, but look at the irony now and. Uh, my kids have so much Penguins memorabilia. It's nuts. Like their mini hockey sticks, their uh, T-shirts, their um, their like little uh, teddy bears and stuff. They've got tons of, and they naturally have. Anytime there's Peng the Penguins are playing or the Penguins logo is showing anywhere, they light up and they love it. So it's pretty pretty cool. A lot of fun stories in the book like that. Now, one thing I did see when I skimmed through the book, you mentioned that Gretzky was your guy. But you had a run-in with Mario Lemieux when you came to Pittsburgh. And a lot of Penguins fans, as we know, that, as we mentioned, they know that you were there for the parade. They know you were you know, a part of the ceremony and the reception and everything that came with that. They probably don't know about some of these behind-the-scenes things. And you talk about that in the book. 
What was that like when you saw him coming down the hall? Because I have to say, not to take the words out of your mouth, but the way you describe the stature of him, <laughs> I see him a little bit more frequently. And every single time I have the same reaction of a kind of standing straight up and being yeah. like I have to make eye contact. He just has that aura. <laughs> yeah, he does. And he's got that presence of royalty, to be honest with yeah. you. Uh, and so, you know, we're in the we're in the hallway kind of in front of the dressing room entrance area. And we notice someone walking with some like security detail with them, like an entourage. And they're coming towards us. And we're just like, is that? And he's super tall, like taller than everybody else. And so we're like, is that Mario Lemieux? And we're like, oh, my goodness, that's Mario Lemieux. And he's walking towards us. And then we stood against the like with against the wall, like, uh, you know, giving him room to pass as if it was like royalty and you want to be respectful but he comes and stops right in front of us and he's like hey guys and he's like who did the bonito call and i kind of put my wave my hand and then he, he goes for a handshake he pulls me in for a hug and he and he's patting me on the back and he's like you're a part of pittsburgh penguins history he's like you're a part of our family and that that was great he's like i heard you on the radio just fantastic stuff and like who would have thought right and and just that signature smile that he has right it's just it's just perfect super mario and it was that was such a great moment that i won't ever forget who would have thought that i was i would be someday as a broadcaster getting that much love from from mario and it's funny as you mentioned with how you grew up you know as, as, <laughs> as a fan of gretzky and then getting the hug from mario although, although i do i think i see gretzky behind you in one of the yeah. pictures there yeah so that's I'm right sure. there as well yeah yeah so you have you have uh, rubbed shoulders with all the royalty there in the hockey world uh, and pretty cool, you know, as far as the stories that you tell within this book. I know there's a lot about Pittsburgh, as we mentioned, but there's also a lot more to your story uh, as far as how you evolved to where you were. And I, I think that one thing that's interesting in a situation like this is you look back at 2016 and that's the first time that a lot of people, you know, I, I'll be honest, that was the first time I heard the calls. That was the first time a lot of other people have. But it wasn't the first time that those calls were happening. Uh, you know, what was it like as far as building your brand, I guess, building your identity as a broadcaster and kind of reaching that point when you hit that moment of people recognizing your name, recognizing you and, and seeing yourself, you know, just as a hockey broadcaster? Well, you know, it means so much uh, for me to have had this even come to fruition because Josh, I'm a small town, Southern Alberta guy. Uh, grew up in a in a, a town of 10,000 people where we didn't have very many visible minorities, people of color at all, no mm -hmm. diversity. And so when people would ask me, uh, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I said, I want to be a hockey commentator in the in the late 80s and the 90s. People would laugh at me. And, and the reason was, and I was actually told this many times, discouraged from going into this industry because I was told that, uh, there wasn't anybody who looked like me on TV and the chances of me making it were very slim to none. And uh, but my you know, it was it was hockey. That was the icebreaker between my classmates and I. So if you're in a small town and you're very different in how you look, what you eat, language you speak at home, the music you listen to, all of that, you're trying to find commonality between your classmates and yourself. And hockey was that for me. I was the kid showing up at school with the hockey sweaters and became known as this hockey obsessed nut. And it, it it basically allowed me to create friendships with people that I wouldn't have been able to. So my, my entire childhood would have been drastically different uh, had it not been for hockey. And I get into the details of that in the book. And, you know, there's, there's so many experiences I had where people would look at me and assume that I'm new to Canada. Whereas I talk about it in the book, how my family's history dates back over a hundred years in Canada. So that one really, uh, you know, those were kind of devastating uh, comments that I would have to hear or 
I loved hockey so much, still do. But when I went to games as a kid, I would, you know, be called names like raghead or towelhead or have to experience that stuff. And then, you know, eventually my my same town of Brooks, the the town uh, had one radio station and that one radio station, the same station manager that was there in the 80s and the 90s, he's still there right now in the town of Brooks, John oh, wow. Petrie. Uh, but he he gave me a shot to go on the air for high school news and sports. And that was the only reason that I actually gave this dream a shot because I thought, hey, if these guys can give me a shot, maybe someone else will open a door down the road. Went to broadcast school for it. Um, still had people discouraging me, saying that maybe behind the scenes is better for you. Maybe if you get a shot, it would maybe just be on news, not sports. And then lo and behold, Hockey Night Punjabi starts and uh, uh, I get my foot in the door. And from there, it was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this happen. So I end up paying for my own flights across Canada for several seasons, uh, sleeping at airports and and kind of uh, defying the odds by just going above and beyond. And so uh, so now to reach this stage, so Hockey Night Punjabi started in 2008. We're in our 13th season. And so 2016 was just an incredible year because, as you're right, it put us on the map, especially, uh, you know, United States and and uh, just the entire hockey world worldwide. Uh, it was it was a revolutionary moment for the show, for myself personally and my career. And, um, you know, it's something I'll forever be grateful for. It's a great story. I mean, perseverance, inspiration for you. I mean, obviously, the message is there. I think for a lot of people that maybe feel like when they look at a situation where the career path isn't completely and totally defined or completely and totally set on a line where you can get to the where place you want to get to, uh, you you defy that. And I, I think based on what you just said right there, you have defied that and you've created a name for yourself. Do you look at yourself kind of as, as an inspiration to, to younger people, not necessarily of a certain nationality or a certain race, just maybe in a situation where they look at a, a mountain almost of where they want to reach. And it seems like that. It seems like a steep mountain, but they can look at you and see it can be done. Well, what I'll say to answer that is uh, that when I have the opportunity and the privilege to go to talk to high school students, junior high aged kids, uh, or even at university conferences and tell the story. Uh, I mean, one of the first times I had the opportunity to do that, to talk to students, I had kids coming up to me saying that, hey, we never thought someone like ourselves would have a role in mainstream media. But seeing you do this is like giving us hope that we can do whatever we want. And and that that's when it really clicked for me that, you know, this is it's it's not something I can personally take credit for. There was so much support from my family. There were so many people, colleagues and producers and, and people in the background who helped me to get where I am today. Uh, but the story in itself, uh, when you're going through it and you're paying for your own flights and you're doing all this crazy stuff at that point in time, I had no idea people would find this fascinating or inspiring. Uh, but now when I talk to younger kids out there and things, and, and then I, I realize that this does give a, a glimmer of hope. And that's been my message, too, that if I can do it, you can do anything as well, whatever your hope, whatever your goals and dreams are. Uh, we're so lucky that we have opportunities like this. And, and, you know, don't let anybody tell you 
that you can't make it. You know, the impossible is possible, and I'm proof of that. And and I think it's uh, it's also you know the the book really encapsulates the whole essence of that, the the inspiring story behind it. But it also talks about the trials and tribulations to get to that point. But while it is a hockey book, it's also an important message for everything that's going on in the world right now. A positive message of diversity through the lens of sport, and we we're seeing so much kind of divisiveness and. Um, hatred kind of being spewed left, right, and center. Uh, but I feel my story really shows that it can work and you can celebrate one one another's differences. And sports has that unifying power to bring us together. You know, do, you look at the Penguins fan base, it doesn't matter how somebody looks. When you're cheering on Crosby and Malkin, uh, you know, it, it, who cares who somebody is, what their heritage or their background is, you're all there together cheering on the Penguins. And that's the beauty of sports. And that's the that's been the essence of my journey as well. That is a message that we need more of in the world today. There's no question about that. I had a couple more questions for you, and then we can kind of wrap things up. One thing that I thought was really interesting, and you mentioned Hockey Night in Punjabi getting going in 2008. Eight years later, you become the first Sikh to do an NHL game. Uh, at the Saddle Dome, and I know you're an Alberta boy. Uh, how much did that mean to you, calling that game in English? Flames and Leafs, so you had these two Canadian teams, so much history. I'm sure growing up, two teams that you saw play so often and two teams you probably associated so many names and players and memories with, uh, to be able to see that and call that from what I consider an unbelievable venue in the Saddle Dome. I love the old schoolness of it. Uh, yeah. What was that like? Yeah, it was very special, uh, you know, and kudos to the, the the team at Sportsnet for even, you know, as a national game that was, right. you, you're standing there, I was hosting that game, so you're doing the opening scene set and you're doing the intermission interviews and drop-in stories and, you know, before I went to air, I, it was like, you almost feel that pressure and, and special, the excitement all at once because um you're standing in a spot where no one from your community has ever done that before and it's a national game in the sense that anybody who's watching the the flames and the leafs play in canada that night they would be seeing me on on their tv screen so a pretty significant moment and uh you know i i didn't know what to expect other than being nervous and excited but uh they they were the the channel sportsnet too and my colleagues and everybody they celebrated that moment and in, even in canada and the media I wasn't expecting that either. So uh, it was very, very, very special. And uh, from there, you know, I, I would have to say like the, the Benino call was a part of that. It, it helped me get to that, uh, the, to get to that position. And, and, you know, even in 2016, we had the World Cup of Hockey happen as well. And I was uh, asked to be a keynote speaker at, at, in Toronto at the Hockey Hall of Fame. I mean, all of this stuff is happening after the Benino call. So it's pretty, it's pretty special. And, you know, I've uh, something about Pittsburgh and the Penguins fans is they're so near and dear to my heart that I've told my I, I told my wife this so many times. I was like, I wish during that those few years because we came back to Pittsburgh a year after in the outdoor game in Heinz Stadium when the Penguins and the Flyers uh, played, and of course the Penguins won the two cups in a row. So there was so much excitement, and I was like. I was like telling my wife, Suki, I was like, you should have seen me in my element as a rock star in Pittsburgh. Like it would have been like, you know, it would have been so cool for her to see that. But with my wife and kids, someday we're going to have a, a family uh, trip to Pittsburgh just to take it in and show show them where everything kind of took place. And I, I was joking with Nick Benino too. Maybe there's like a cafe or something down the road that we can open. <laughs> just because yeah. it's a, right. Just, just to keep the legacy going. It's, it's such a, such a unique uh, story and I'm so passionate about it and it's awesome to see 
how passionate, I mean, the organization and the fans still are as well. Hey, as you know, it is a sports city that is very proud of their championships. And there's no question, as you said earlier, and the Penguins kind of uh, gave you credit for, you were just as big a part of anything in that 2016 run and 2017. Why not? We'll mention that too, because you have <laughs> the lore now uh, in Penguins championship history. Hunter, I can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time. I know you've been busy on the uh, the media tour with the book, but it's great to catch up. Great to see you. Uh, great to talk about this book, One Game at a Time, available right now. You can buy it. Penguin Random House, that's not a coincidence, by the way. <laughs> so be sure to check it out. Read the stories. Chapter 10, of course, all about the Penguins uh, and that run in 2016. So uh, pick up your copy today where you get your books. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I hope you uh, stay safe out there in Alberta. And I look forward to the day where we can all be in a rink again together soon. Of course. Yeah, no, thank you so much as well. This was such a blast. I was really looking forward to this. And congratulations to you, Josh, as well, to all your success. Uh, you've uh, you've been doing some big things since 2016 till now, too. So I'm really happy for you as well. Thanks, Hunter Ryan. That means a lot coming from you. Uh, we will talk to you soon, I'm sure. And uh, stay well. Definitely. You too. Take care. Thanks. Awesome time with Hunter Ryan Singh of Hockey Night in Canada, Hockey Night in Punjabi, and Sportsnet. Just great to go back down memory lane with him there in 2016. And clearly, he was a big part of the soundtrack and merchandise sales, for that matter, when it came to the Penguins' run to the top that season. And a reminder, Hunter Ryan's book is out now. You can purchase it wherever you get your books. It's called One Game at a Time. Not ironically, published by Penguins Random House. Of course, there's got to be a Penguin connection based on his history with the black and gold. And as we spoke about, if you are a Penguins fan, if you do want to find the Pittsburgh slant in the book, chapter 10 is called They're Here, all about Pittsburgh and the moments that highlighted the Penguins' run to the cup and the parade. Of course, Harner Ryan and his Hockey Night in Punjabi team was involved and a part of the parade. Lots of fun stuff, great stories in there to check out. So make sure you pick up your copy today. Penguins, of course, hoping to have some new cup memories in their future, and they've been busy here recently. The draft in the rearview mirror, the black and gold restocked the arsenal a bit on that front, and another big move in the trading of Matt Murray to Ottawa during the draft. That paves the way, of course, for Tristan Jari to be the starter moving forward here in Pittsburgh. And some free agency moves as well by general manager Jim Rutherford. We said he's been busy. We're not lying to you. You remember Evan Rodriguez was dealt to Toronto in the Kasperi Kapanen deal earlier this summer. Well, Toronto did not qualify Rodriguez, so he became a free agent. Jim Rutherford brought him back on a one-year deal. Ditto for a one-year deal for former Calgary centerman Mark Jankowski, who joins his former college teammate Brandon Tanev now here in Pittsburgh in the fold in black and gold. Fair to say there may be some more news to come on the roster front as well as we get closer to getting things back into gear for the 2020-2021 season. But in the meantime, we'll have you covered here on the podcast front. So keep your eyes, your ears tuned into the Penguin social media channels for the latest episodes. And if you don't already, what are you doing? But make sure you hit that subscribe button to the Scoop Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, available on all of those platforms. Looking forward to speaking with you again in the near future. Again, a big thanks to Hunter Ryan Singh for taking the time. I am Josh Getzoff. This has been the Scoop Podcast presented by PPG. Bye-bye.